What's up, everybody? This is Pearson with the Marketing is the Product podcast. I'm here with Brandon Rollins. Hey, everyone. And today we're joined with by Aaron Franklin. How's it going, man? Good. Pearson, how are you doing today? I'm fantastic, brother. It's good to get you on the show and actually talk to you a little bit. So to get the ball rolling, you are an insurance broker with State Farm. How did you get into the insurance business? Yeah, well, that's nothing. Obviously, when you're growing up, high school or college, you probably have a, a lifelong goal of, of being an insurance agent. But it, it definitely it definitely evolved and, and happened. Um, oddly enough, I had uh, just finished uh, playing college baseball and moved back home to finish my degree. Then met my wife, started dating, and uh, then... Uh, it, I was working at UPS at the time, actually, and it was a, it was a part-time job. And her dad said, well, you know, you're going to have to have a full-time job to marry my daughter. I said, yes, sir, absolutely. And then uh, UPS went on a big labor union strike in 1998. And so I'm like, I got to have a full-time job. <laughs> that was the condition. I had to have my degree and I had to have a full-time job. So I, I said, yes, sir, to both of those. But uh, anyways, a lifelong friend and kind of mentor had been working at a regional corporate office for State Farm in, in Winter Haven, Florida. That's where I grew up. And um, he asked me, he said, have you ever thought about working at State Farm? I was like, no, man, I haven't. But I said, they have a full-time job open. He goes, yeah, man, they're hiring full-time. I said, well, let's talk a little bit more about that. So anyways, got, uh, finished my undergrad and, um, the next morning actually had an interview with State Farm for a, uh, life and health insurance underwriting position, which that, that sounds really boring, but it was a full-time job and, uh, obviously got the job offer and, and that started my career with State Farm, but it was really interesting. Um, uh, it's got a lot in the medical background of, underwriting life and health insurance applications. So I had to kind of trial by fire, learn a lot of medical lingo and reading medical records all day long and basically assessing risk, you know, for the individual applicant, you know, that an agent would send in for, for insurance. But it was a great start, great career, great benefits, and um, actually worked there in Winter Haven at the corporate office for seven years. Um, yeah, so that's kind of how I cut my teeth with State Farm. And then they went through some corporate consolidations and knew uh, we kind of were forced to either make a move to relocate with the company or, or take a different route. So after a lot of prayer and consideration, uh, went the agency route and um, got approved to be an agent in Florida. That's where my wife and I are both from and thought that's kind of where it was going to happen. And then uh, I just had our first child in 2004, and then uh, that was July of 2004. And then four weeks later, we had one hurricane hit. Um, then two weeks after that, we had another hurricane hit. And then in a span of about eight or nine weeks, four hurricanes hit Florida in 2004. Shoot, where were you in Florida at the time? Uh, in Winter Haven, Florida. So Winter Haven's right in the center of the state. It's right in between Orlando and Tampa. Um, so we were there and three of the hurricanes like crisscrossed right over the center of the state. So yeah, it was crazy. I think um, at one point, just in Florida, State Farm had over a half a million claims going on at the same time. 
with all the, the hurricanes ahead. So anyways, State Farm said, hey, listen, we don't know if Florida is going to shut down. We don't know what's going to happen. But if you still want to be a State Farm agent, you probably want to look outside the state of Florida. It may be six, seven years before we, we hire, you know, and put on a new agent. So we had some family and friends that lived up, you know, in Tennessee. And so the chain of events that's, that happened, that, that's what led us to, to Chattanooga. And um, so we started, started my agency here um, in 05. And yeah, man, it, it's just been an awesome run since then. And we have four kids. So um, three of the four children were born here in Chattanooga. Um, and my wife and I have been married coming up on now in 23 years. So Florida's home, but Tennessee's really, it's home now and we love it. Absolutely wonderful place to live and raise a family. Well, Aaron, I want to backtrack to something you said a couple minutes ago. You're a college baseball player. What position did you play and where did you play at? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I played at, at Polk Community College, which that was a junior college, um, actually in my hometown in Winter Haven. So I played there uh, my first two years, played shortstop and a little bit of outfield. And then my junior and senior year, got a scholarship to Embry-Riddle University, which is in Daytona Beach, Florida. So that's where I, I played my junior and senior year. And at the time, um, so I had my two-year degree. Our, our coach kept you know, harping on us, man, you got to get your degree. So no matter where you go, they're going to take at least 60 hours. Well, that was true if you went to a state school. So, so I got my associate's degree. Embry-Riddle's a private university. So my 63 hours, they accepted 27 when I transferred. So that set me back a whole year. Anyways, got through playing uh, after my senior year. And they didn't have, at the time, a fifth-year program where they would continue your you know, scholarships that you could graduate from that university. So that's when I moved back home and uh, I finished up my undergrad at the University of South Florida, which is in Tampa. I gotcha. Yeah. So baseball is a big part of what made you who you are, you know? Yeah, it definitely was. Um, I had one sibling. Uh, I was two and a half years younger, and uh, we were a big baseball family. He played college baseball, got drafted, played uh, a little bit in the minor leagues, and uh, just baseball was what we did. So I played a little basketball growing up too, but when it got to high school, it was it was 100% baseball. But yeah, it was a big blessing. Paid for a lot of my college education, which my parents were very happy about that. And uh, it just, you know, it taught me a lot of life skills, a lot of team building, you know, definitely a lot of things that you glean from a, a team sport and, and definitely, you know, how to overcome adversity. You know, I always said, you know, baseball is a game of failure. You know, people don't really understand that unless they've played the game. But, you know, guys are in the Hall of Fame and they're only successful 30% of the time. So you, you translate that over to if Peyton Manning only completes 30% of his passes, uh, is he going to be playing next Sunday? Probably not. If Michael Jordan only, you know, made 30% of his shots, would he be, you know, the player he was? Probably not. So it's just a, it's a game that you really have to learn to deal with failure, and um, that that teaches you, like I said, a lot of a lot of life lessons. And it's a team sport, so that's that's one thing that I I really loved about baseball. I mean, 
you could go 0 for 4 one day, but, you know, two or three other guys on your team go 3 for 4 and, and you win the game, you know, or your, or your pitcher throws a no-hitter. Doesn't matter, you know, what you did individually, you know, your team can still collectively chip in and win the game. You know, that's a very interesting perspective to approach it from. I grew up playing baseball, loved the game myself, haven't played it in years, but honestly, I haven't ever thought about it like that. And that's a pretty great way to think about it because it is a game of failure. You can, I, I mean, you can fail more than almost any other sport while still winning. It's a weirdly good metaphor for life. You hit the ball a third of the time and you're a legend. That's like a batting average of 333. Like people just don't do that for the most part. Um, but when you, when you, and you get multiple tries to either succeed or fail. And yeah, it, it does depend a lot on a team. And that is probably a healthier athletic environment than a lot of other sports, I would think, where you are required to, do something consistently very, very well. Yeah, for sure. Well, again, it, you know, baseball is a long season. I mean, the longest of, you know, major leagues, what, 162 games. I don't know if they're shortening it a little bit this year. But anyways, you know, you, you don't play 160 football games. I mean, I think they're trying to go 17 weeks now or something like that. But it, anyways, it's just it's a long, you know, kind of grueling um, season that, it's, it's endurance and stamina. I mean, and all, and all sports are. All athletes you know, have to go through and train and prepare. But it, it just it, it takes a toll on you mentally and physically for sure. I, I had to deviate and ask a couple baseball questions for my, for my inner child in me. Uh, so, so getting into insurance again, walk us through kind of what your day-to-day life is as an insurance broker. What, what do you do? Yeah, no, that's great. Well, I tell people, you know, I help people manage risk in their everyday life and we help them recover from the unexpected. And we also help them realize dreams. People say, really, what, what is that? I said, well, actually, I, I get to be a state farm agent. They're like, hey, you get to do all that kind of stuff? I said, Absolutely. So it's not just, you know, no two days are alike. You know, there's every day is different, which is, which is cool. I mean, obviously there's activities that we want to, you know, repeat every day, you know, as far as customer service and even on the sales side. But um, it's a very rewarding job in that um, I truly, it's in a, I tell people I'm in the relationship business. I'm not in the insurance business because it's truly building relationships with people and their families. And we happen to talk about insurance, you know, from time to time. But it, it's, a, it's a lifelong career. It really is. That's the way I've always approached it. And, um, it's very rewarding to be able to help people. Obviously, um, you know, we like helping people save money, you know, new customers they are coming over, you know, changing insurance companies from one to the next, but it's also helping them plan and prepare, you know, for the future. You know, obviously just last Easter, you know, here in Chattanooga, we had a humongous tornado that just, you know, tore up a big part of the city and it, it missed my office by like three quarters of a mile. So just in that one storm, I think State Farm had close to 12 or 13,000 claims total that was going on. And I, I had about 300 homeowner claims just out of my office. And just to clarify, Aaron, before you keep going, these are the tornadoes that tore through East Brainerd, right? And it hit, you know, late Easter night. Um, I guess it was I don't know, 10, 45, 11 o'clock, somewhere in that time frame, I'm forgetting now exactly, but 
it was late at night and they didn't really predict that day that they weren't calling, you know, for tornadoes. They said we might have some, you know, severe thunderstorms, but they really weren't putting Chattanooga, so to speak, under the bullseye. Um, but it happened. Um, for anybody who's like listening to this and who's outside of Chattanooga, Chattanooga, which is actually quite a bit of people, let me give you a little bit of background here. These happened April 12th, April 13th of 2020. So like we're three, four weeks into the pandemic at this point. We're talking about people are, are sheltering in place and we don't really know what's going on with the pandemic. And then you have a few, I think it was like a few dozen tornadoes actually tear through the southeast, one of which went through a fairly populated part of Chattanooga. If you want to look it up, it's a 2020 Easter tornado outbreak on Wikipedia. It's it was no joke. And, you know, I might actually I've I was actually in East Brainerd at the night of those tornadoes at my at my best friend's house. And I have I have videos firsthand of kind of waking up the next day and going out and everything just being completely decimated and trying to get to my friend's house who lives on Igo Gap, which was three minutes away from where I was at and it taking two and a half hours to get over there and bring them ice for their fridge just because it, the roads were completely shut down and houses. I mean, it's like it went straight through. And for those of you not from Chattanooga, I mean, I go gap is pretty much a straight road that runs all the way through one part of town. And it was like this tornado just planted down right beside it and tore a line straight through East Brainerd and houses. I mean, all that was left was foundation of houses. And when you go out there today, it still looks like like a wasteland in some parts of it, just from the from the destruction of it. And it's I mean, it was a pretty surreal thing to see, let alone at the very beginning of the pandemic on top of it. So it was I could only imagine what that kind of brought from an insurance perspective, because it, it wiped out that entire area. Yeah. And from my office, uh, that, that's my heaviest zip code as far as penetration of customers. Uh, is that East Brainerd three seven four two one zip code? I mean, that, again, that's that's my backyard as far as my office. So we just had a lot of customers that um, you know just instantly were just were devastated. You know, the blessing of of that. Uh, I think the final total was maybe there's only two fatalities, I believe, of the. And if you saw, if you firsthand saw that devastation just for miles, that tornado was on the ground, I think they said nine or 10 miles, um, and all the thousands of homes that were destroyed and only two people, you know, uh, passed away. It's just an absolute miracle. I mean, you just look at that and shake your head and go, how are there not just body bags everywhere? Yeah. I didn't know that the, the death count was only at two. I, and it, it's pretty surreal to actually hear that. Because I, I mean, I was driving around that day and kind of trying to do what I could to help. And it's just, I mean, it was one of the most surreal things to see because, you know, we were untouched. We didn't have any damage to the to the house that I was in, thankfully. But it was, I mean, close your eyes, spin around and point. Everything was destroyed wherever you looked. And it was, I mean, heavy, heavy times last year in 2020, let alone aside from COVID, but you know, it's, it's stuff like that, that give your job a little bit more purpose, you know? I think this kind of dovetails into something you had mentioned earlier, Aaron, you say that insurance helps make dreams come true. And honestly, I myself, I worked in insurance for about a year in uh, 2015. And as intellectual and abstract as the idea of insurance may be, it really does make dreams come true. Cause I mean, 
or at least allows you to have a life where dreams can still come true despite bad things. Cause like a tornado rips the roof off your house. If you have home insurance, you're not going to have to pay a truly enormous sum of money because of a random accident. If you have health insurance, you can recover from a serious injury and yeah, you hit your out of pocket max, which can be considerable, but it's better than the hospital bills themselves. I mean, uh, goodness, when Maria had her serious injury, it was, and, and, it, and it knocked her out of her job. It was disability income that kept a uh, kept us going without too much interruption to our life, simply because you know it suppl- it supplemented our income. And uh, it's easy to miss this stuff and, until you need it. Well, and again, and, that, and that's where we take, you know, what we do very serious. Um, you know, we try to obviously have a lot of fun at work and and have a great culture and environment there with my team. But at the same time, you know, I tell them, say, hey, you're the professional and, and it's our role and responsibility to ask people the tough questions. You know, even like with life insurance, nobody wants to talk about dying, right? Hey, let's, let's plan your funeral. No, <laughs> that's not a fun dinner time conversation. But at the same time, you, you sit down and you talk, you know, with the family and husband and wife, whether it's one or two incomes, and they've got children. And and if one of those spouses removed from that picture, that family's devastated, um, whether they're bringing income in, into the household or not. So it's trying to help them plan ahead, um, you know, again, for that unexpected, whether it's disability or, or an untimely death. It, nobody else is asking, you know, people those questions. That's our role and responsibility. So, yeah, we talk a lot about liability and, and auto and home insurance and, and that such. But really, when you get down to it, the things that I'm most passionate to talk to people about is that, you know, life and health side of it and planning for that, that unexpected event and for the future. I, I've got a second business that I'm involved in, too. It's um, a mortgage broker. And I'm able to originate loans for Rocket Mortgage, which they're part of Quicken Loans. I'm sure you've seen the commercials, but um, so that's another you know business that I have. It's it's very rewarding being able to help people. You know, rates have been at an all time low, and saving people thousands of dollars on a refinance, lowering their current monthly payments, helping put money back in their budget. And you know, again, we've all through you know a lot of people have been through a tough time financially in the last you know year and a half or so. So to really kind of have, that's almost that instant gratification of helping people immediately, you know, impact their, their monthly budget, but also, you know, helping them save thousands of dollars long-term or even people that are wanting to, you know, say do a cash out refi or they're wanting to pull money out of the equity of the house and, you know, put a pool in or put something, you know, in the backyard or something that's going to help their family enjoy their home even more or even debt consolidation. So it's just, there's a lot of things uh, that we can help people with. And I just consider it a privilege to be able to do that on a daily basis. Aaron, so COVID's obviously a big talking point for everybody. It's been part of our lives now for over a year now. How has COVID changed the dynamic of your day-to-day job? Yeah, no, that's a great question, Pearson. I, I mean, in COVID, it's a real virus. Okay, let's just, I guess, get that out there that it, it's real. And it's affected a lot of people in a lot of different ways. Um, it's changed. I think uh, there's been some big cultural aspects that has changed in our society with this virus. Um, and 
I mean, as far as the dynamic in our office, I mean, we're, we're always there to help people, you know, and you were talking about the tornado and three months into COVID or the pandemic or, or whatever. I mean, like when that happened, people didn't care. They didn't, you know, they wanted you there to help them. They wanted you there giving them a hug and help them put the pieces back together and coming in their house. They, they weren't, you know, asking, Hey, you know, have you had a COVID recently or uh, you got your mask on? I mean, just people in their dire time of need, you, you forget all that stuff. That's not what's most important. You know, they, they need help immediately. But then coming out of that, obviously, you know, you, you want to be wise and use caution. And if people are, people are sick, I mean, you got to make good decisions, you know, for you and your family of whatever's best. And we, we changed a lot of procedures in our office as far as, you know, cleaning our office more frequently. And, and I have a service that comes in and, and does that and making sure that, you know, customers are safe, you know, coming into the office, there was a time where, you know, people didn't want to come in, you know, but, but that's just what we do and the role we play as state farm agents. I feel like it's a very personal relationship that we get to build and have with our clients. You know, we're not at 800 numbers sitting in a call center, I don't know, Arizona or whatever. Um, so people want that interaction, you know, with their insurance agent in, in their office. But we now have all kinds of different tools and way to, ways to interact with them based on their preference and based on their comfort level. So I've still got clients that, that want to come in and meet face to face. Absolutely. I've got clients that want to you know, meet over a, a video conference. Absolutely. And I've got clients that, that we can do business over the phone. Um, I mean, even with the technology now and the apps and everything that we have on you know, smartphones, we can do business a, a plethora of different ways. We're not just, you know, honed in on, Hey, we have to do it just this one way. And if it doesn't fit in that box, we can't do it. So that's the, I guess that's the beauty of state farm being the largest insurance company in America. And they, they have great technology behind their brand and they give us the tools, you know, obviously to be able to reach out and interact with our clients, however, you know, they want to. Yeah, and I got to imagine that's such a difficult balancing act, knowing exactly when it makes sense to have people in the office mask up, crack a window, you know, whatever you got to do, and when it makes sense to have, uh, you know, just correspond over the phone or over the internet. It's just a tough call. We should probably thank our lucky stars that this virus didn't crawl out of the woods in like 05, because we wouldn't have been ready for it, you know? Like we're we're very lucky that SARS was not COVID. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So yeah, I mean, again, that's. Um, I mean, I, I just tell people, you know, you, you got to make a personal decision, you know, of what you feel like is best, you know, for you and your family. And that's, you know, that that's the way I view it, man. We, I mean, we still have freedoms. I'm very thankful, you know, obviously to live in the United States. That. Um, you know, we do, we have tons of freedoms and we obviously don't want those taken away, but just to be able to, you know, choose healthcare, choose healthcare providers, um, you know, we just got a, got a lot of great options and choices here for sure. So Aaron, when you think about what you do overall, 
what's your favorite part of it? It sounds to me just from, from hearing you talk a little bit that you're incredibly passionate about helping people and making a difference in their lives. Would it be fair to say that that's one of your favorite aspects of, of your job? Yeah, Pearson, absolutely. I mean, I, I've always said, you know, I, I'm in it for the 30 year compliment. <laughs> people kind of look at that. What are you talking about? It's like, man, I, you know, I, I love helping people on a daily basis, but I truly want to make an impact on, on a family that's going to help that next generation. I'm, I'm wanting that, you know, child or grandchild to be able to, you know, to walk in my office 30 years from now and say, man, I really appreciate what you did for my parents or grandparents. We're now reaping the benefits because of the planning and the help that you gave them so many years ago. So that's kind of kept me focused on, you know, the long-term goal and not just, you know, short-term. Yeah. So like I said, this is, I'm in my 17th year as a, as an agent of the state farm, 23 years total, but it, it is kind of cool now to see, um, I guess as I'm approaching 50 years old, <laughs> I've got a couple years left, but to see from when I started now, you know, people's, you know, children at the time, they're now driving and then now getting married and now starting families of their own from, you know, when I first started. And so it's just cool now kind of in that next generation phase from people that when I first, first started. So it's, it's rewarding. And again, to, to be able to help, help families and, and then their children and hopefully their children's children down the road. I'm not planning on retiring anytime soon. Yeah. So whether it be professional or in your personal life, really, what what drives you? What makes you get up every day and say, I, I want to keep this going? Is it is it helping people? Is it setting generations up for success down the line? What what is it that gets you up out of bed every day and says, I wanna I wanna make a difference? Yeah, no, that's a that's a great question. I mean, I, you know, I I feel like um my faith is a big part of who I am in, in my life. And I've been very blessed and, and been afforded a lot of opportunities, I feel like, by God to be able to help people and to directly impact their lives. And I take that as a you know, as a big responsibility. You know, too much is given, much is required. And so it's not you know, just waking up every day trying to earn a paycheck. It's waking up every day and saying, hey, who, who can I help today? And, and to be able to pour into the lives of so many people, you know, on a daily basis. I mean, we've got customers in all walks of life, all socioeconomic classes. It, it doesn't matter. They all have needs that we can help them with. And that's kind of the rewarding thing there as well. And also being able to pour into my team and see them grow and develop and, and financially be able to contribute, you know, to the economic impact of their family as well. It's, it's very rewarding. So no, so I've got five team members um, that work directly for me on the insurance side. Um, and I, I again, I, I kind of, I'm in a coaching and developmental role with them. I mean, I still do, you know, personally produce, you know, some, some insurance uh, business as well. But it's really now a stage in my career where I'm really trying to pour into my team, develop them and let them kind of run a lot of the day to day, you know, operations. And I'm kind of more of in a managerial consulting role on the insurance side. Now, with my mortgage business, I, it's just me. I don't have anybody else under me licensed as a broker um, on the mortgage side. So I'm very more 
heavily involved in my mortgage business right now and kind of getting that running and going um, and more giving oversight you know, to the insurance side of things. That's a, you know, it's a perfect segue into this next question, which, you know, it's obvious that you've got a couple of different things going, whether that be mortgage, whether that be insurance from thinking about it from a marketing perspective, how do you, how do you promote these businesses for whether that be insurance or mortgages? What are you, what are you doing to help people see you and to gain that traction of people saying, Hey, come, come see Aaron Franklin. Like I, I've got your best interest at heart. Right. No, absolutely. And it's, you know, marketing, it, there's so many different approaches to marketing. It's not like, Hey, we just do this one thing and that generates all kind of business. I mean, you, you really have to, you know, establish yourself in your community, you know, that you live in and work in. And that's something that we did, you know, very early on. Um, you know, I moved up from Florida. So, hey, here's this, you know, kid from Florida uh, that's moved to Chattanooga, Tennessee and knows a handful of folks. You know, how, how's he going to grow this business? Well, it's just getting involved as many ways as you can in your community, whether it's, you know, I've coached my kids little league teams and just obviously met hundreds of families that way and be able to, you know, be in their lives and their kids' lives that way and through church. I mean, a lot of great relationships there for, for a lot of years now. And then just different, you know, activities to be able to get out in the community and be involved in. Um, but it's really branding yourself. Um, you know, when people think insurance, you want them to think about you. Um, so, Back in the day, for sure, I, I had a lot of billboards that, that I, I did and sent out a lot of direct mail. Again, these were obviously marketing strategies that probably were a little more prevalent back in that time frame than, than today, but it still works. Um, and then on the digital side now, too, you know, trying to direct traffic you know, to our website. So it's really kind of just playing in all of that space to be able to ultimately make the phone ring or, or get that email that, Hey, I need a quote or, you know, they, they can text in now and we get, you know, leads via our website, even at statefarm.com. But yeah, I don't think you can just do one thing. I think you have to, you have to brand yourself obviously and, and set yourself apart. And I always said my biggest competition is not Allstate or Geico. I mean, they, they probably would like to think that, but it's really other state farm agents. Um, state farm in Chattanooga has got, about a 32, 33% penetration in the Chattanooga market. So if you think about it, one out of every three cars, it's already, they're insured with State Farm. So just constantly, you know, asking people, hey, you know, who you're currently insured with and, and really one out of three times you'd say State Farm. Oh, that's great. Hey, how about your friends or family? Do they not have State Farm? Because <laughs> if they don't, I want to talk to them. Um, but again, you know, you've got, we've got a great group of agents here in Chattanooga and just, you know, to be respectful of them and their business. Obviously, we don't go soliciting other, you know, state farm agents, customers. We're, we're wanting, you know, that raw new, so to speak, we call it a uh, customer that's not currently with state farm. You've kind of touched on it a little bit now, Aaron, whether that be baseball, your faith, your family, outside of insurance how do you spend your time? What do you do that kind of scratches your itch on a personal level? What, what do you like to do? Yeah. 
Well, like I said, we've got four kids. My oldest son is 16. He's a sophomore in high school. Um, round two, um, one wasn't good enough, so we had twins round two. So we've got 12, 12 year old twins, a boy and girl twin. And, um, yeah, and then the, the third, third go around uh, was another little girl. So she's uh, eight and a half now. And uh, we're also in the process uh, of an international adoption. We've been waiting about six years and finally got matched. So it's a little boy, three years old. Um, he lives in Burundi, Africa right now. And hopefully by the end of the year, we're going to be able to travel and go pick him up and bring him home. So we'll have a, a new addition to the, the Franklin crew. But um, so, yeah, I mean, my family is a big deal, a big part of my life. And, I've coached the boys' baseball teams for for a lot of years, and again, they, you know, being a big baseball family. Um, but I'm just trying to be involved in what they do. My the twin uh, daughter, she's she's very involved in in sports as well. She plays softball and volleyball is her her big passion. So just being able to interact with them that way, and, and the youngest girl now, she she's one eight year old. She's wanting to get involved in soccer. So man, it's just somebody's got a game every night. <laughs> we're going, we're going somewhere, um, and the the boys play travel baseball. So man, that's a whole other culture and a whole other world. So we're we're in Atlanta uh, more weekends in the summer than, than we're in Tennessee, but a lot of a lot of travel baseball down there. But no, it's great, man. I, I wouldn't trade it for anything. Um, just to be able, yeah, yeah. So just to be able to pass that on to the kids, I mean, they um, they love playing it, uh, playing the game. My oldest son, um, he, he's got a he's got a scholarship already offered to him for the University of Kentucky that he's verbally committed to. So we're excited for him. He's, he's put in a lot of hard hard work. And he's a great student. So we're looking forward to uh, him heading to Lexington in a few years, and we'll be wearing a lot of blue. But uh, anyways, my younger son, he, he's very involved, like I said, in baseball and, and golf as well. So he's got golf matches and baseball games. So we're, we're enjoying, you know, watching him play that. And the girls aren't, aren't playing anything right now. So that's. I was about to say that was the, that was the pivot that I took um, from baseball to golf. I've played golf since I was uh, in high school. So I've played for quite a while now golf and MMA. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I got into golf first and I got into MMA a couple of years ago, but I tell people I'm into MMA and they're like, Oh yeah, I, I can see that. I'm, I'm covered in tattoos. I listen to metal music and they're like, that doesn't surprise me. And then I follow that with, I'm also a scratch golfer and they're like, uh, what? <laughs> and yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a it's a fun sport, and I think I I'm I'm very competitive, more so with myself than I think other people. And man, I got addicted to the fact that I sucked at golf, and I was I was like, I can't get good at this, and it just became an addiction to figure out how to get good at it because it's it's such a difficult game to to get good at, and it's a year long journey, but. The cool thing about it, which I find is, you know, it transcends age. You know, you can play. One of my favorite things in the world was I go out and play with my granddad and competitively play with my granddad and just to get to spend time out there on the course with him and and have those 
special moments where you're you're talking to your family, you're hanging out with them, but you're also playing a game that you both enjoy. And you can do that, you know, 50 years in age apart. It's a pretty special thing. There aren't many, you know, sports. I mean, I'll put it this way. No one's getting in a fight with somebody 50 years older than them and getting in a cage. So it's, I mean, you're, you're pretty limited with what you can do to a certain degree. And, and golf's a great game for that. You see a lot of people get to grow relationships through it and out there on the golf course. So I'm a huge advocate of it. Yeah. And I said my the younger son, so he, he's a left-handed pitcher. And he's wanting to – he's talking about, oh, I don't know if I want to quit baseball and just play golf. So, whoa, wait a minute. <laughs> Pitchers can play golf every day, man. You, you don't have to quit. We can quit baseball. You can do both. But, man, whatever he wants to do, you know, it's it's their passion, whatever they're, they they want to pursue, man. We're – my wife and I are 100% behind it. But it is it's – it's a great game, and I love getting out there and, and, and playing with him. And he's pretty competitive. So it's a different mindset. Like you said, we were talking about – the team concept with baseball, but, but golf, man, it, it's you, it's you in the course and that ball. I mean, there's no, I guess you can play, you know, charity scrambles, but I mean, if you're playing competitively, it, it's all on you every shot and you, you really have to learn to have a short memory or it, it's going to eat your lunch. I think that's what's so cool about it. And for me, I like, I grew up playing baseball team sports all the way realized as I was starting to kind of, grow up a little bit that I wasn't the best team player. I like solo sports a lot more. And man, golf is, it's a game with yourself. Like you, it teaches you so much about patience and about just mental fortitude because like you're going to suck. Like it's just, it's not a question about it. Like everybody that plays golf sucks at some point, if not the entire time of it. Like I, I still go out there and I'm like, man, I want to sell my clubs. I am tired of playing. And I'm like, this is terrible. But then the next shot, it's like you hold it out from 30 yards away and you're like, I am the best golfer in the world. I want to keep playing. <laughs> you go from hero to zero from in two in one shot. It's like you just birdie your eagle a hole and you walk on the next tee box and you shank your tee shot in the water. You're like, what in the world, man? <laughs> so, yeah, but it keeps you coming back, especially if you uh, you hole out from the fairway on 18. You definitely be back next week. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, golf is a it's a unique game and it's so different than a lot of sports are. It. I, I think the uniqueness of it is what kind of keeps me coming back or it, it has kept me coming back. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a great game and it, it, I feel like it's helped me mature in a lot of ways that other things would have, or it's helped teach me lessons that might've come from other things, but golf is a great way. If you're athletic, it, it teaches you a lot about life. And I think that that's a, it's a really valuable thing for people to have those experiences and to have those moments where you, are met with just immense failure and you're like, okay, well, I'm only on hole two. I've got 16 holes left and I'm like six over par right now. So I'm either going to bounce back from this or it's going to keep going down. <laughs> well, who, who was the guy, who was the guy when they were, they were playing at Pebble? This is what three or four or five weeks ago when how long were they were at Pebble Beach. And man, he was like tied for the lead and going on to like 16 or something. And he liked four putts. He just totally lost it. And I just felt so bad for that guy. I'm like, here he's grinded it out for four days. And he's like three holes away coming down to finish. And he just loses it. And, and four putts. I think it was like on 15 or 16. 
And I was just telling my son, I was like, see there, man? I said, it, it's a grind all four rounds. I mean, you gotta, you gotta keep going. He just got, he had one bad shot and he was so frustrated that, oh man, it was, it was painful. But it's a, it is a lot of life lessons in golf and it, it definitely will teach you a lot about yourself real quick. Well, your son being a left-handed pitcher, I don't think he's going to have any any trouble transitioning into into more golf. I think pitchers have one of the easiest times making that switch. Uh, it's a it's a I, I love it. I'm I'm happy to hear that more and more young people are getting into the game and kind of breaking into it. But it, it's cool to see kind of that revitalized approach to it. You're seeing that with a lot of things nowadays, but it's it, it's pretty cool. Well, Aaron, where can people, where can our listeners connect with you online? Where can they find you? Where, where do you want people to connect with you with? Yeah. So my website, it's real easy. It's Aaron, A-A-R-O-N Franklin, and that's F-R-A-N-K-L-I-N.com. So that's my microsite. Um, They can go right there to that webpage and and connect with us, shoot us a message, uh, send us an email. They can initiate a quote from right there. So a lot of good a lot of good ways right there from the, the web for sure. Yeah, we can throw all the links in there for your website or anything you want. We'll throw it in there for people. Our phone numbers is 423-894-2481. Um, we're very conveniently located on Lee Highway near the corner of Lee and Bonnie Oaks. So uh, got a big old red sign right by the road there. So obviously people are very familiar with that Lee Highway and Bonnie Oaks interchange. And we'll make sure we add in all the appropriate links and numbers and everything that people need to get in contact with you into the show notes below in the show. So Brandon, I don't have any other, I don't have any other questions, Brandon. Did you have anything? No, I'm all good. Well, Aaron, thanks so much for taking the time to come on the show, brother. It's been a pleasure talking to you and kind of hearing about your story and your path. And I, I look forward to hearing what's next for you. Yeah, no, awesome, man. I'd love to meet you. We'll get out there and hit that ball around a little bit. Yeah, for sure, man. I'd love to get out there. I haven't played in a couple months now. I've been cooped up inside, and I'm I'm ready to get back out there. Yeah, it's warming up and uh, golf season, baby. Yeah, we're a few weeks away, and I guess the Bermuda will all be grown in. We'll be ready to go. Well, awesome. Well, guys, check us out on Spotify, iTunes, wherever you listen to your podcast. Once again, this is Marketing is the Product. I'm Pearson here with Brandon Rollins and Aaron Franklin, and we'll see you next time. Thank you, guys.